Amen, amen. Can we give it up for Jesus this morning? Amen. Hey, are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Awesome, awesome. Give it up for our team one time. We appreciate y'all every single week. Awesome. Hey, give somebody a high five. Tell them they look good this morning. Then you may have a seat. Awesome, awesome. Well, we are super happy that you're here joining us today. There's no better place to be than in the house of the Lord, worshiping God. So we're thrilled that you're here. If you are a guest, welcome, welcome. My name is Travis. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's just an honor to be able to share with you today. As you heard Miss Linnell say, Pastor John, uh, he's been on the tractor. He sent me a text last night about 9.30 and said he'd been on the tractor from 8 a.m. to 9.30 uh, in the evening. So he's been working, all right? So we want to pray for him. Don't we love Pastor John? I'm just going to pray. He will be back soon. Uh, but we have little Henry in the house right there on the front row. So he's hanging out. So we are happy that he is here. But uh, how many people know it's, it's fair season right now? Anybody been to the fair? Anybody plan on going to the fair? All right, I'm, I'm just like 5% of each, con- each service is going to the fair, right? I, I guess y'all know that it costs a lot of money to go to the fair, right? Um, it seems like every single, at least the last few years, Whitney and I, we've went, and within about 30, 45 minutes, we have uh, spent like 80 or 100 bucks. And I'm like, what's happening here? Uh, we like to, you know, we, we've been taking our kids. They like the atmosphere. They like the little kid rods. They like cotton candy. I like funnel cake. Hello. Uh, you know, they like the little animals. And so we've been going and, and, and having a good time with that. We plan on going this year for a little bit. Uh, but last year, we went with a group of people to the fair. And we're walking around. We're kind of doing the thing. And uh, we noticed one of the rods that was there, the Gravitron. How many people are familiar? Okay, you feel familiar with the Gravitron? Throw the picture up there real fast. This is the Gravitron. It's a uh, real technical rod. It just, it just spins around really fast. That's what it does. And you kind of stand there and it just spins for a few minutes. Okay, so we're walking past this rod and one of our friends with us says, hey, let's ride the Gravitron. And I'm thinking, this is a terrible idea, okay? This is a terrible idea. I've just been eating some greasy food. I've had my turkey leg. I've had my my pizza. I've had one and a half funnel cakes. You know, this isn't going to be a good idea. You know, I'm I'm familiar with this ride and I'm familiar with the the fair. I I grew up in this area. When I was a senior in high school is, in fact, the last time that I rode that ride. Uh, Every single year, though, we would go and we would, you know, go to the fair when I was in high school. But this person was pretty convincing. And so I decided, okay, I'm I'm going to get on this ride. Given I haven't been on this ride since I was 17. I was 34 at the time. So it had been 17 years since I got on this ride. And there was a reason that I'll get to, well, I haven't been on the ride in 17 years. But either way, long story longer, uh, what happens is... What happens is we end up getting on the ride, a few of us, and like I said, you just stand there and you just go really, really fast. I don't know how fast it is, but it's, I don't know, 100, 200 miles an hour. And I get off of the thing and I'm thinking, this was a bad decision. Have you been there before? My wife's there, my kids are there, and I just kind of had to take a little let me gather myself moment. You know what I mean? I mean, just with, with the food I'd been eating, uh, just the dirty rod being in there and the smell of the dirty rod and all this stuff. 
And so we're just kind of walking along and, and I had this flashback moment, okay? I had this flashback to 17 years before when I was at the fair. And the reason that this is so imprinted in my mind is because number one, I rode the Gravitrons last time I rode it. But number two, this was Whitney and I's first date, okay? Cole, I don't know where you and Brittany's first date was. Whitney and I's was the fair, okay? We went with a group of people and, and we were hanging out and this was my first date and I was so excited about it. And one of the reasons is because I'd asked Whitney out several times and, and she finally agreed to go out with me. Uh, single people keep knocking, keep knocking on that door. <laughs> Unless it's like slammed in your face. Don't be weird about it. Like anyway, I don't know where I'm going with that. Either way, she agrees to go on this date with me. And so we're walking along 17 years before and one of my friends is like, let's go on the Gravitron. Okay, great. You know, whatever they're saying, I'm going to go along with. I'm trying to look good. So I'm like, let's go on this Gravitron. And so we go on the Gravitron again. We're just sitting there and it's just spinning out of control and da-da-da-da-da, you know. And I get out of this thing and I'm not feeling good at all, okay? I'd had a bunch of stuff to eat just like before. And we're walking and I'm trying to like be cool about it because this is my first date. Hello. I'm trying to be cool about it. But after a minute or two, I know I have a decision that I have to make at this time. Because the one thing I knew about dating is throwing up in front of your date on the first date, you probably won't get a second date. You know what I mean? So I have a decision to make. I'm like, this is about to happen one way or the other. And so I make some lie, some excuse. And I'm like, I forgot something. I got to go. And, and man, I, I kind of ran off. They kept going. And uh, I went to a barrel. And I called the dinosaurs like really fast. Like I... I went after it, okay, and felt a lot better and ran back up to him and act as if nothing happened. And in fact, Whitney, this is good. Whitney didn't even know about this for a few years, you know, so like I can't let her know about this. So uh, for some of you single people uh, out there on your first date, don't throw up. And if you do, don't let them know about it, okay? So Anyways, this is just kind of this, this throwback moment, if you will. I'm 17 years old. I'm at the fair. I'm with Whitney. I'm on the Gravitron, and I feel sick, okay? So anyways, uh, that had nothing to do with anything uh, except don't go to the fair and get sick, right? Um, but the title of my message today is this, uh, Throwback. How many people here know what a throwback is? A throwback is something old school. A throwback is something vintage. A throwback is something that used to be popular, used to be in style, you know, maybe 20, 30, 40 years ago, and maybe kind of went out of style, but it's made a resurgence. Are you following me? Some of y'all in here, you're like, I'm a throwback, you know? <laughs> You're looking at your kid, I'm a throwback. Uh, anyway, there's all these kind of trends that are coming back, but one I love the most right now is the mullet. Can we throw that on the screen? Yeah, that's my, that's my cousin Joe there. Go to the next one. There we go. Awesome. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. And uh, so that's, that's, a, that's a throwback. This is like coming back in style. I'm seeing kids in the youth group. I'm seeing leaders at our church kind of start to, to grow this out. And I had this thought today. I was thinking Pastor Cole would look good with a mullet. What do y'all think? Yeah. Students, what do y'all think? And, 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 and you know, y'all you know, can just take this for what you will. I just feel like Cole, if in the next two weeks, like, like 250 people showed up at the youth group. I, I feel like maybe you could do that. Would you do it? 250 students come. Y'all hear that? If 250 people go, Cole is going to rock the mullet. Is he, is he, Miss Brittany? We'll see. We'll see. 
It's kind of on the spot there, but uh, we'll see. Y'all bring some people. I want to see this. All right. All right. Either way, the reason that I'm talking about uh, this message, or I've entitled this message Throwback, is check it out. I believe that God is calling us as Christians in 2019 to be throwback Christians. I believe that God is calling us to be throwback followers. I believe that God is calling us as modern day followers of Jesus to look like the old church, to look like the church in Acts, to look like those group of people that got so filled up with Jesus, they took this word to their city and it went around the world. I believe that God is calling every Every single one of us in this room today to be a throwback, to be people who follow God, to be people who seek God, to be people that go after God with our whole heart. How many people would agree? You know, I'm going to share this in a few minutes, but man, our culture is in desperate need of some people that are really following after God. Our culture is in need of some people that know Jesus and have a heart to reach people. Our culture right now is going as fast and as hard as it possibly can here in America, away from Jesus, away from the Bible, away from the principles and the standards of the Bible. Every single day, it's like we're moving the line further and further and further away from God, and it's easy to see. Pastor John talks about this all the time, but it seems like in our culture today, Jesus is not as important as he used to be. You know, back in the day, it seemed like our culture had a, a firm stance of God. I mean, most people went to church. People could pray in school without the threat of, you know, somebody like turning them in. People could talk about Jesus. You know, around the world right now, the gospel is going forward like never before. But it seems like in America, there's this pushback about, against Christians. And it seems like Christians are taking a step back. Would you agree? In fact, in our culture right now, some things are happening today and some things are normal that the Bible does not call normal. You know, just think about a few things. There's no sacredness in marriage today. You know, it's normal in our culture for people to be divorced. It's almost expected. It's normal today and accepted for people to marry people of the opposite sex. It's normal for people to cuss and to lie and to gossip and talk about people. It's normal to cheat if you can get ahead. It's normal to sleep with your boyfriend or girlfriend uh, if you're not married. It's normal even in our country for people to be atheists or be agnostic. Look at some of these stats. These are stats from 2018. Over 20,000 murders took place last year. Over 700,000 abortions took place last year. Over 60,000 suicides. It was estimated last year that there's over a million people uh, living addicted to drugs or alcohol. In 2018, 80,000 drug overdoses resulted in death. Over 600,000 homelessness, homeless people in the United States. The porn industry made over $50 billion last year with some estimates, it's more like $100 billion. 25% of our population has no religious affiliation, while 5% of Americans claim to be atheists. Out of that number, uh, Generation Z, which is uh, kids and young adults from the ages of 4 to 24, most of your kids in here fall in that range, 15% uh, of them claim to be atheists. This doesn't account for the hatred and the racism and a bunch of other stuff that's going on in our country. And the reason I tell you these stats is because they're alarming. There's something that's wrong in our nation. There's something that's happening that we're going in the wrong direction. Other nations that have been exclusive of the gospel and exclusive of God, man, they're opening up and the gospel is going forward. In America, that's been a beacon of hope and light for years and decades, we've just been kind of small, slowly taking a step back and slowly taking a step back. God is calling you and he's calling I to do something about the situation that's going on. How many people would agree? 
The question that I have for us today with all of the bad stuff that's in our culture, all the things that are going on, is what are we going to believe? How are we going to raise our kids? How are we going to affect change in our culture? Because the fact of the matter is, each and every one of us, we're called to be ambassadors and affect change in this culture. We're called to be light. We're called to, to reach out to people that are in the darkness. We're called to show the love of Christ. We're called to share the gospel. We're called to evangelize. We're called to love our neighbor. We're called to help people, right? Are we going to live like that? Are we just going to know that that's how we're supposed to live? What I'm trying to communicate this morning is this, things have gotten bad and things need to change and we need to wake up a little bit, but listen to me. There's still hope because God is still on his throne, because God still cares, because God still has a plan, because God still wants to do something in this culture. God still wants to make a difference. The things that are going on in our world today don't catch God off guard. You read through the Old Testament and you see time and time again, Israel had problems. Israel was going through bad stuff. Israel as a nation had turned away from God. But God would raise up a generation of people that would basically follow him and they would turn the tides back. I believe that God is looking to you and to me to be these beacons of hope, these ambassadors of Christ that will turn the tide back. Because the stuff that I just read is bad, but it can change. The stuff that we know is going on all around us is bad, but it can change because we serve a God who cares. See, we serve a God that's a throwback. We serve a God that's old school. We serve a God that's a solution to every single problem that's going on in our culture, in our city, in our world today. Malachi 3.6 says this, I am the Lord, I do not change. You know, and I'm here to tell you today that God hasn't changed. God's style has not changed. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what he said thousands of years ago still rings true today. God doesn't care that it's 2019 and our culture says it's acceptable to, acceptable to do X, Y, or Z. He still expects us to live by his laws. He still expects us to follow him. He still expects us, us to live for him. He still ex expects us to fight against a culture who's against him. God still has expectations for his people. And I'm assuming if you're in this room today, you're his people and God's got a plan and his plan involves us. Everybody say it involves me. That's pretty good. You know, even though all this stuff is going on and God is still the same yesterday and today and forever, God still has a standard, but God still also wants to save people. God still also wants to restore people. He still also wants to offer hope to a dying world. He still wants to offer peace to a dying world, and God wants to use us. All is not lost. I believe we're at the beginning of a resurgency in the American church where God is going to move mightily. Man, we're here on this planet for, you know, who knows how long. But God has placed us here for such a time as this to be a light, to do something with the life that he has blessed us with. So here's the deal. Over the next few minutes, I'm going to look at two throwback principles uh, of the Bible that we need to apply to our life right now. Because the Bible needs to make a comeback in some of our lives. You know what I mean? The Bible needs to make a comeback in our culture. Things haven't uh, changed. The, these things that we're going to talk about are basics, but sometimes how many people know we can kind of get off track. We can kind of check out for a little bit. And so I want to encourage you, if you're doing these things, great. Continue to do these things. If you're not, this is a season to engage. This is a season to draw back and get near to God because God has a task for us. And the reason I'm talking about this today, again, is because the culture is in need and the culture needs Jesus and the culture needs us to tell them about him. Can I get an amen? amen? Amen. What time the Cowboys play today? 
<laughs> I'm going to be done after the Cowboys start. So anyway, two quick points. They look good last week, huh? I mean, they played the Giants, so who knows? Anyway, first throwback principle. If you want to be a throwback and do something great for Jesus in your life, in your family, at work, at school, we have to climb. Look at your neighbor and say, climb. And when I say climb, I mean we have to go higher with Jesus. Followers of Christ, we are called to climb. We are called to go after God. We are called to seek God, not just halfway, but we're called to seek God with our whole heart. First Chronicles 16, 11 says, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek him, seek his face continually. Continually means continually, all the time. Seek him, go after him. Psalms 105, 4 says this, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. The basis of Christianity teaches us that we always need to be drawing close to God. We always need to be uh, getting closer. We always need to pray. We always need to worship. We always need to be climbing. I think a good picture of what our life should look like as far as our life and our relationship with God, it should be a picture of us just climbing, us steadily getting closer to God. How many people would agree? I think sometimes though, and I've been here before. I think our relationship, the picture of our relationship with God sometimes looks more like an escalator. It's going up and it's going down, you know? And a lot of times in our life, we have this inconsistency and we're all about Jesus. We're all about God. We're all about doing this and that's awesome. And we just kind of shoot up real fast and then something happens. A trial happens. College football happens. You know, uh, whatever, our jobs get busy and we just kind of check out for a season. I'm here to encourage you. Our walk with God needs to be consistent. We need to climb. We need to keep going after him. You know, uh, I mentioned this last service, but uh, Pastor Mike's not here. He's actually preaching in danger field. We want to pray for him. But Pastor Mike, to me, is a picture of consistency, really in every walk of his life, but particularly uh, in working out. Five or six years ago, uh, Pastor Mike and I started working out together once a week. And I'll be honest, pa Pastor Mike's 64 right now, okay? Maybe you didn't know that. 64, okay? I'm 35. So about five or six years ago, we start working out. And I'm thinking, man, I'm going to show this old man what's up. <laughs> I got this guy. Man, we get in there. Pastor Cole can probably relate to this too. We get in there. Pastor Mike can outlift me on everything. It's kind of embarrassing. But Pastor Mike, he's consistent. Don't try to get Pastor Mike to change up his workout routine. He does the same thing four days a week, same time of day. It don't matter if it's raining. It don't matter what's going on. He's going to do it. He's consistent. Are you consistent in your walk with God? You know, at the beginning of the year, the gyms are so crowded. The gyms are just, man, we're going to get after it for about three weeks. And then about three months later, people are like, was this a year contract? Is this a commitment? Can I, can I opt out? I mean, that's the deal. Don't let your walk with God look like your, your gym membership attendance. We got to keep climbing. Nobody's saying like you got to race to the top, but steadily. Every day we're going to seek God. Every day I'm going to pray. Every day I'm going to worship. I'm going to get closer to God every single day. You know, one of the, the jobs I feel that us as pastors here at Church on the Rock have is to keep pushing you towards him, to keep encouraging you to get closer to God. We want your walk with Jesus today to be closer and better and more vibrant than it was yesterday. That's why we offer so many opportunities for discipleship. We offer opportunities to get you closer to God. We offer opportunities for you to pray and to learn how to pray and all that stuff. But God is calling us to climb. I believe the purpose of climbing is twofold. 
And this is very elementary, but are we doing it? First, the reason we're called to climb, the reason we're called to get closer with Jesus is so we can know him better. And the second reason is so we can help other people know him better as well. We want to know God because God is obviously worth knowing. We were made to be in fellowship with God. We were made to be fulfilled and complete with him. I think we all know when our walk with God is inconsistent, we feel less fulfilled. We feel incomplete. We are made to find fullness and completion in Christ. We want to know God because he's worth knowing. Secondly, we want to know God so other people can know God. We want to climb so other people can know God, so we can, they can experience the same great love that we've found. So they won't be confused, so they won't be hopeless, so they won't be in despair, so that they'll know that there's a God that loves them. They'll know that there's a God that offers them peace. There's a God that offers them uh, fulfillment. You know, think about the stats that I read earlier today. Those stats are scary, but what do they show? They show people are leaving the church. They show people are leaving the faith. They show people are becoming more and more secular. They're showing people are turning away from God. They're showing people are becoming more perverse. Um, They're showing people are more confused. They're showing people are more lost. They're showing people are more hopeless. Why? Why are people turning to sex and drugs and bad relationships and pills and not turning to God? Why are people turning to suicide? Why is all of this happening? One of the reasons is because there's a real devil that's out there. And he's trying to mess us up. He's trying to destroy us. He's trying to come against us. And I know a lot of people in this room that the enemy is attacking you. The enemy is coming against you. The enemy is just messing with you. I mean, y'all heard me speak on my kidney a few months ago. I mean, I know what it's like to be under attack. And some of the reasons all this bad stuff's going on in our culture is because of the enemy. But I also think one of the answers is maybe the reason our culture is in the place our culture is in is maybe because Christians aren't climbing. We're not going after Jesus like we, we should. We're not going after God like we should. I really think there's a direct correlation between the moral climate in America and what our nation looks like. When Christians are Christians, our nation looks different than when Christians just say they're Christians. And I think for too long, we've just been okay with just saying we're Christians instead of being the church. When Christians are Christians, things change. When Christians are Christians, things move. When Christians are Christians, the, the, the suicide and depression and people that don't have moms and dads, these things shift and change. It's a direct correlation of us climbing. I think when we're engaged, I think when we're going after God, I think when we're full of Jesus, things move and things shift. And I think we would all agree that things need to shift and move, not just nationally, but in our backyard. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 19. I think this is a great example of what we should look like in regards to climbing. This is Moses. It says this, on the third new moon after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came to the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Repidim something, and they, <laughs> like, did I say a cuss word there? I always have to be aware of that when I'm reading these Old Testament words. Either way, they came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain, while Moses went up to God. Say, up to God. 
the Lord called to him out of the mountain saying, thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, you yourself have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the people for all the earth is mine and you shall be, uh, be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Look at this. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. Let's stop right there. So what does Moses do? Moses goes and climbs a mountain. Who does he meet up there? He meets God. Where are the people? They're down below. What does Moses do? He goes up. He gets a word with God. He spends time with God. God sends him back down to the people. That's what happens. He has a word for the people. He uses Moses as a conduit to get up, to give the word and to come back down. Let's flip over or flip down just a little bit to verse 20. It says, the Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain. Moses went up and the Lord said to Moses, go down and warn the people. Again, what is Moses doing? He's literally climbing a mountain. Who's he meeting with? He's meeting with God. What is, where's the people at? They're down. What does he do? He goes down and what does he give people? The word from God. If you want to know what your life should look like as a follower of God, there's no better example in the Bible than what Moses is doing. You go up the mountain, you spend time with God, and we have something to offer people around us. Moses knew God because he spent time with God and he had something to offer the people that needed a word from God. The only real way we'll ever be able to help people, to help our family, to help our kids, to help our marriage, to help our friends, to help ourselves, to help people in need is to go up the mountain. There's no way to get around it. Every person inside of you, deep down in your gut, you want to do something great for God and you will never be as successful doing that outside of your walk and your climbing with the Lord. The only way to affect change in our culture starts with our walk with God and our intimacy with God. When we are close to God, things change. When we are close to God, we have something to offer people. When we're close to God, we're bold. When we're close to God, we have answers. Listen, people that are in need don't just need another Dr. Phil rerun. They don't need Oprah. They don't just need a Facebook article. They need us to have met with Jesus so we can offer them Jesus, who is the hope of the world. Let me ask you this morning, are you climbing right now? Are you seeking God right now? Because you know what? You need it. Your soul needs it. Your kids need it. Your marriage needs it. And there's a hurting, dying world all around us in this community that needs it as well. This is the first point. Climb. Don't allow yourself to get distracted. We live in a world where distractions are all around us. Our phones are probably the biggest distractions that we had. I mean, I, I got a post the other day about how much FaceTime I'd spent on my phone. And I'm like, oh man, you know, don't get distracted in your walk with God. I know there's family. I know there's commitments. I know there's jobs. I know there's hobbies. I know it's, it's football season right now. Don't get behind in your walk with God. Get behind on your favorite show. Don't get behind on your walk with God. Every day, spend a few minutes. Here's our second principle, second throwback principle. If you want uh, to do something great for Jesus right now, take your mountain or do your mission. You know, over the last few weeks, there have been some really troubling things that have happened um, really in our country. Here's just a few of them. There's been three mass shootings. There's been a call for gun control. 
There was a terrible hurricane out there that devastated the Bahamas. A lot of people lost their lives. All the things that are going on with China and Hong Kong, there's still an immigration debate in our nation. There's threats of wars. There are wars. There's human trafficking. There's the stuff that's going on with Iran and North Korea and Russia. There was a shooting in Texarkana just a couple days ago at the Waffle House. And all the other stuff I mentioned, I mean, homelessness, uh, kids without moms and dads, there is need all around us and it can be overwhelming. And it's easy to put your head in the sand. It's easy just to say there's so much I can't and I'm not, I'm not gonna do anything about it or I don't know what to do. But the question that keeps me up at night that I continue to ask myself is this, with all the need, with all the problems, with all the things that I see, what am I supposed to do about it? Have you ever felt like this? What am I supposed to do about it? Obviously, the first thing I'm supposed to do is I'm supposed to climb. I'm supposed to focus on my walk with God. But I also believe, listen to me, I also believe that every person in here, God has something specific for you to do right now in this season of life that you're in. God has something for you to do right now, not in 10 years, not in five years. He's got, he'll have something for you to do then. He's got something for you to do now. You know, my son, Gabriel, he's six years old and uh, he's, just, he's just a wild man. I mean, if, you, you, if you've seen him, he's just running everywhere. He's just wild. Either way, he's really into like uh, playing army and playing cops and robbers and playing, you know, Indiana Jones. We, he kind of watched a few minutes of that uh, the other night. I was like, I probably shouldn't have let you watch that. Either way, but he's all about like doing these guy things. But what he wants me to do is he wants me to give him a mission. He wants me to give him an assignment. And so, you know, we'll pretend his sister, uh, Aslan, who's four, we'll pretend, you know, she's the princess and, and we'll go hide her and he has clues. He's got to go find her he, or I'll make an obstacle course. I'll give him a mission and he's got clues to find something. Are you following me? He wants an assignment. In the same manner, God wants to give each and every one of us assignments to help the problems that we discussed earlier. God wants you and God wants me to do something in this season of life that we're in. A great example of this in the Old Testament is Caleb. And I want us to look just for a second about one man's personal mission help make a difference because we're called to go on mission. We're called to take our mountain and we're called to make a difference. I think most of us in here, we're familiar uh, with kind of the events leading up to Caleb and Joshua taking uh, the land. You have to go back to the children of Israel who were basically enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. They're enslaved and they cry out to God. They cry out for God to deliver them. And what happens? God hears their voice. I want to tell some people today that God hears your voice. God cares about you, man. God loves you so much. If you're in need, God sees and God cares. So anyway, they cry out and God raises up Moses and, and through the miracles of God, all the plagues that happen, the Israelites, they are set free. They go through the Red Sea. All these miraculous things happen. And then they get to the promised land. They get to the land of Canaan, the land that their ancestors settled, the land that they've been hearing stories about. And you know what happens? Moses sends in 12 spies for 40 days to go check the land out. And you know what report they, they bring back? Hey, this land is awesome. It's flowing with milk and honey. It's great. And there's giants in the land. Well, 10 of these spies say, you know what? There's giants. We can't fight them. We don't want to fight them. Let's just do something else. Let's turn around. Caleb and Joshua, who are two of the spies at the time, they say, no, we can take the land. No, we can win. Well, we know what happens. The voice of 10 basically turns a whole nation into disobedience. 
and God punishes them and they wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. So basically the unfaithful ones can die out and a new generation can be raised up. I want you to think about Caleb just for a moment. Caleb was faithful. Caleb was a guy who trusted God, but for 40 years, he is wandering around in the wilderness like everybody else. Young people, who you hang out with will determine to a degree your future. See, Caleb has seen the promised land. He has been there before. He was willing to fight and do his mission 40 years before, but now he's having to wander around. I bet you for these 40 years that he's wandering around, he is asking God, God, please let me get back. God, please let me get back to the promised land. God, I was willing to fight then. I'm ready to fight now. Let me get back. And you know what happens? 45 years later, he gets back. Caleb is back. Joshua's back. The giants are still in, in occupying the place and they're on this campaign going to take this land. I want you to look at what Caleb says to Joshua in Joshua chapter 14, verse seven. He says this, He's telling uh, the leader, Joshua, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him that was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day saying, surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. And he said for these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke to the word of Moses while Israel wandered around in the wilderness. Listen to this. And now here I am this day, 85 years old, and yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me out. Just as my strength was then, so is my strength for war now, both for going out and for coming in. Verse 12, now therefore give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke on that day. You know, when I listen to the speech, I just picture like a Braveheart kind of, kind of speech. I picture Caleb just like 85 years old, but just like ripped. I picture him with like this big white beard, you know. They, I, maybe he had a tattoo or two, I don't know, you know. But he's ready to go. This dude is serious. I can see fire in this guy's eyes. It's been just waiting for 45 years to get back. So he goes to Joshua and that's what he tells him. He's lost a lot of time, but he's back. And here's what I want us to see. What does he ask Joshua for? He is asking Joshua, the new leader, for a mountain. He is telling Joshua this, which mountain do you want me to go conquer? You tell me who you want me to go fight. You tell me what you want me to do. You spin me around and put me in the right direction and I'm gonna go do what I'm gonna go do. I'm gonna go do what you want me to do. I'm gonna go fulfill the mission that you have for me right now. He is saying, basically, I'm ready to go. Point me in the right direction. I'm ready to go do this. Listen, for Israel to take the land, the strategy is bigger than just, you know, we're going to, you know, flip our, our, our hand and, and the battle and the victory is going to be over. No, each person had to do their mission. Each person had to do the thing that they were called to do. Caleb is saying, you know what? I'm going to take my mountain. And if you'll take your mountain, we can win this victory. And that's what happened. Here's the point, the whole point of really this whole message. God wants to give us a mountain. God wants to give us a mission. God wants to give us an assignment for us to see change in our society. We all have a part to play. 
Not just Pastor John, not just Pastor Mike, not just a few people that lead small groups. Every one of us in here that calls ourselves believers, we have a mission for this season of our life. We have a calling for this season of our life. And God knows this, the stage of life that you're in. God knows that you work 50 hours a week. God knows maybe you're working two part-time jobs going to school at night. God knows you got four kids under 10 years old. Lord, help you. God knows the season of life that you're in, but he still has a mission for you to do. You may be 90 years old, but God still has a mission. I want you to think about Noah. Noah's 50 or 500 or 600 years old. You know, he's got a family, he's got kids, he has things that he does, but you know what? God says, I got a task for you for right now. You know, think about Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa, I mean, she's a nun. God says, I got a task for you right now. I got a mountain for you right now. I want you to move to Calcutta. I want you to love on the least of these. Think about Larry Myers, a missionary that comes here just about every Christmas, 40 years old, pastoring a church in Denison, Texas, a new church. God says, I've got a new task for you. I want you to go to Mexico and minister to the people there. We have women in our church that God has given them a task of crocheting and knitting and sending these blankets and little uh, beanie things all over the world to little kids. We got people in this church that God has tasked you with uh, nursing home ministry, that have tasked you with uh, foster ministry, that have tasked you with leading a small group. We have a mission. I want to ask you, what is your mission right now in this season of your life? And I want to help you real quick. Maybe you don't know what your mission is. Maybe you don't know what you're supposed to do. I want to give you three ways to know what God may be wanting you to do. The first way is God will tell you what he wants you to do specifically. You know, sometimes when we're praying, we're reading our Bible, we just feel the impression by God, we need to do something. We need to go do something. Pastor Cole referenced earlier Nashville. Our church felt a year and a half ago led to start a campus in Nashville, Arkansas. We have been doing youth outreaches with Zach and our team, and, and, and we've just seen great success. We talked to Pastor John. Pastor John said, let's go and do this. And you know what? This morning, over 100 people there on their one-year anniversary. God knows what he wants, and he'll tell us what to do. The second way we can know sometime is what need do you see around you? What need keeps coming up? What thing do you keep seeing? What thing breaks your heart? You know, pastor talks about uh, Artie and Karen Rayfield all the time and their ministry to the homeless, their ministry to, to single mothers. It just amazes me with the whole uh, homeless ministry. They felt a burden and a need for the homeless to wash their clothes. I've never thought about that. I haven't. They saw a need. God showed them a need and highlighted the need and they went and took that mountain. Or maybe the third way, what are you gifted at? If you're gifted at something, which every person in here is, you can use that gift for Jesus. You're good with numbers. You're a good businessman. You can donate some time and expertise, you know, to a nonprofit. Those ladies had expertise at quilting and knitting. And so they did it. God has a mission for you and God has a mission for me. Maybe God's mission for you in this season of your life is to mentor a young man who doesn't have a father. Maybe God's mission for you in this season is to gather coats and give them to the homeless this winter. Maybe it's to go on a mission trip. Maybe it's to get involved in fostering. Maybe it's to adopt a child. Maybe it's to start a Bible study once or twice a month at your work. Maybe it's to, you know, take your kids with you a couple times a month and go to the nursing home and talk to the elderly. I don't know what your mission is, but I know God has one for you and God wants you to do it. And he wants me to do it. 
He wants us as Christians to do something. You know, uh, I look out here today and I see a whole bunch of people that are doing stuff, that are taking their mountain. And that's awesome. I love our church. I love how much our church cares about the city. I love how much our church cares about kids. I love that we go to sidewalk Sunday school and, and hit five apartment complexes a week. I love what our church does and stands for. But listen, you can be part of a church and part of an organization that does a lot, but personally not be doing that much. And there's no condemnation in that statement. We've all been there before. I wanna challenge you, do your part. Do what God's called you to do. Nothing is too insignificant. Nothing is too small. Some people say it's too small. No, nothing is too small. You helping someone, you talking to someone, you showing love, you doing whatever it is, I'm telling you, it makes a difference and it makes a dent in the problems that we see in the culture around us. We know what happens with Caleb and the Israelites. They go in there and man, they take their mountain. They conquer their, their place. They go from city to city to city and they do all this amazing stuff as, as Zach and the team are coming up. Here's my question. What happens if Caleb doesn't take his mountain? What happens if Caleb doesn't do his assignment? What happens if Noah doesn't build a boat? What happens if Mother Teresa doesn't go to the poor, poorest of the poor in India? What happens if Larry Myers doesn't go to Mexico? I tell you what, there's a lot of, of people that aren't worshiping God today in a church. There's a lot of people that aren't getting care in a hospital. You know, we have a team right now in India. They took 500 pairs of shoes. What happens if they don't take 500 pairs of shoes? Let me tell you, 500 people don't have shoes. And what happens if you and I don't do our mission? It's just as important. It's just as significant. And you can do what God places in your heart to do right now. Things get better when we take our mountain. You know, as I get ready to close, I really believe that God is looking for people to be throwback. God is looking for people that will seek him. God is looking for people that will climb and God is looking for people that will take their mountain. He's looking for people that will be willing and say yes. When we do these things, our culture changes. And it's time that Christians, that we start using our influence to make a difference in the dent and the bad stuff that's going on in our culture. Too long to put our head in the sand. It's time. It's time to move forward. The purpose of this message is to inspire us, number one, to connect with Jesus. Connect with him. Spend time with him, man. He loves you. He loves when you spend time with him. And secondly, let's reach our world. Let's take our mountain. Let's do what God places in our heart to do. Here we are. It's the middle of September. We have, you know, three and a half months left in 2019. And to me, that's crazy thinking about that. But we have three and a half months to seek after him, to climb and to take our mountain. We have three and a half months to go after him. And this message this morning is a little pep talk, man. Let's do it. Let's get in gear. Let's do what we were made to do. Listen, the greatest movement that the world has ever seen happened on the day of Pentecost and then afterwards. The greatest moment that ever happened was the resurrection of Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sin and then came back from the dead, right? To take on our sin and our shame. But the greatest movement that the world has ever seen was those early disciples and those early followers of Christ on the day of Pentecost. That was a movement. It was the greatest movement ever. It was greater than the American Revolution. It was greater than the Industrial Revolution. It was a movement that changed history. 
It's a movement where people got saved and people got close to God and people started helping people and selling their possessions and giving them away and doing what God told them to do. And you know what happened? A city changed. A region changed. The world changed. We're talking about it 2,000 years later. And I'm here to tell you that something like that can happen in our city and in our family if we will climb and we will take our mountain. God's looking for some throwbacks. It's time. It's time we start to look like the early church. It's our mission to continue to fulfill what they started a long time ago. We came on the scene whenever you did. For me, 1984, I came on the scene and my objective is, is to further this mission. That's why we're here. So here's what I wanna do this morning is I just wanna simply pray for us. I wanna pray that we have a desire and a hunger and a passion to climb after Jesus. And we have a desire and a passion for the needs around us to take our mountain. Can we agree to do that? Can we agree that this is gonna be a season, these last three and a half months, that we seek after God and we do what he's placed on our heart to do? We can do it. We can turn the tides. God can use us to make a difference. Let's stand on our feet. And I just wanna pray. Just throw your hands up. Lord, this morning or this afternoon, we thank you that you love us. Lord, we thank you that you care for us. God, we need you right now. God, I pray every single person in here, God, that our relationship with you would grow. God, that we would climb. Lord, that we would draw near to you and your promises that you would draw near to us. God, I pray that the distractions that have made, may have come up in our life, Lord, I pray that you would help us knock those down. God, that we would spend time with you because we need it. And there's a world around us that needs it. God, I pray right now, God, that we would take our mountain. God, what do you have for us to do right now? September, whatever, 15th of 2019, what do you want me and what do you want my family to do right now? I know nothing's insignificant. You just tell me what you want me to do. Give me a heart like Caleb to do it. Lord, we wanna see change and we want you to use us. We don't wanna just try to look away from the things that are going on. We wanna engage and do our part. And if we all do our part, we can see something awesome happen. God, I pray grace to walk out these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, we're about to go into a worship song. And uh, here's what I wanna encourage you to do, something a little different. During the worship song, I want you to pull out your phone and go to your notes. And I want you to type in what God has called you to do right now. Maybe you know what it is, or maybe you know you don't. If you don't, type on the heading there, God, what do you want me to do? And we're just gonna believe during this next song or over the next few weeks that God will tell you. You will be fulfilled when you do the task that God has for you. Here's the last thing. If you're in this place and you're away from God, man, today's the day that you can get things right. The Bible says that, that we're separated from God because of our sin. Sin is a crime against God. Sin separates us from Him, but the good news is Jesus did what He died on the cross for our sins. The Bible said He became sin. He is the bridge between us and God. He, he's a barrier. And so maybe you're in this place today and, and you have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says to be saved, you have to do two things. You have to repent. Repent means turn away from your sin and believe, turn towards God. And if you've never done that, today can be your day. Or maybe you're in here and you've just kind of wandered off a little bit. 
you know, you love God, you know you're saved, but man, you've been distracted or maybe you've just been kind of doing your own thing. Today is the day that you can recommit your life to Christ. So I'm gonna be over here. If, if you wanna be saved, if you wanna recommit yourself to Christ, you can come speak to me. I want our prayer team to come up right now. If you need prayer for anything, we wanna pray and agree with you that God would move in your life. So as Zach begins to play, pull out your phone, type in what God's calling you to do. Anyone else, the prayer team's here. For everybody else, for the next minute or so, let's lift our hands. Let's worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords.